Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, remember, as we made our way through, as we make our way, if I will, let me say that, as we make our way from chapter 7 through 12, just kind of keep that in mind, we learned last week, and you want to jot these down as notes, these are known as prophetic chapters, prophetic chapters. And so we get a we get a good grip on the purpose of prophecy, right? We want to know what is prophecy all about so that we can understand the text. What is, what is prophecy all about? A lot of people go, well, what's prophecy? I'm scared. As a matter of fact, I was, um, there were a few people on Facebook that were posting, you know, I haven't read Revelation and so forth and so forth and so forth. And some of the comments were interesting. It, one of the persons said, I read Revelation, it scares me. Revelation doesn't scare me. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's so amazing. But that's the mindset of people. So we have to understand, you guys have to understand the purpose of prophecy. The purpose. What's the purpose of prophecy? Now, let me give you these, okay? I'm going to give you the purpose of prophecy to start off right off the bat. Part of the mission that God gives his people, that's you and I, involves getting the message out to the world. So what he does is he says, okay, I'm going to save you. And we had three people respond last week. It was amazing. I'm going to save you. I'm going to come and fill you with my spirit. But now I, I'm going to send you on a mission. What's the mission? It's to get the message out to the world. What message? Well, it's the message is a message, well, prophetically, it's a message of warning. It's a message of warning. Also, it's a message, uh, it's a call to repentance. But it's also a message of hope and, and good news. See, prophecy has always been part of that message. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I want to give you right off the bat three reasons for prophecy. Three reasons. Now, chapter 7 through 12 are prophetic. Okay, so you go, okay, what are the reasons for prophecy? Number one, prophecy shows God's justice, and this is intended to lead us to repentance. So you want to write this down. Prophecy shows God's justice. That's one of the purposes. See, what we tend to forget, and, and I'm afraid, and I got to be careful how I say this. I, I, I want to paint with a bigger wide brush, but, but God is righteous. God is righteous and he's holy, and he's just. And sometimes we have now stepped into a realm where we go, well, the men upstairs. No, that's not reverencing God. God is holy, he's just, and he's righteous. And so, and so in a way to relate to culture, the churches, some churches have started to allow the world into the church. And now you find people who are just attracted to that, and they're like, ah, but... But here's the one thing we need to understand, guys. When, he's, when he teaches and he, and, he, and he comes to a Daniel chapter 7, you're not going to win the mass multitudes to come to church with prophecy. Why? Because it's intended to call us to repentance. You see, when the scripture reads us, and it takes a good look at our lives, we have a choice to go, oh, 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 Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Repentance is so much more than saying, I'm sorry. You know, we can have a sorrowful heart and say, I'm sorry, and not repent. 
and keep doing the things that we do. And God calls us to repentance. Here's what we need to understand about our Heavenly Father. He never minimizes sin. He never minimizes sin or says, hey, that's, that's not too bad. Don't, don't worry about that. You see, his justice requires that he condemn evil and point out the sin that leads to suffering, destruction, and death. See, he doesn't want us, he doesn't want us, the people he created, to sin or to die. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, notice what it says. It says, the Lord is not, oh, went away from me. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But is, who is? The Lord is, what, long-suffering towards us. Can I get an amen? amen? That means he's patient with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, what's that last word, church? Repentance, right, right. He's calling us to repentance. Now, again, think about what God is saying here, okay? Oh, well, where's God? 2023, he should have already come by now. And, and, and but I sit there and I go, no, 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 you don't understand the heart of God. The heart of God is so loving and so compassionate that, that he's, he's, he's being patient so that everyone can come in. Everyone, and people go, well, man, you've been saying that Jesus, we're living in the last days. And then three or four people will get saved. And then I'll be invited somewhere and somebody will get saved. And other churches, people are getting saved. And I go, as long as people are getting saved, I know my Jesus is going to wait. And that's okay. Because he's called us to preach, to preach the message. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's, I'm coming back but he's long-suffering toward us. Not willing, notice, not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that, a, isn't that good news? Because every one of us in this room probably have loved ones that you go, man, they're just, not, they're just not walking with God. They're not walking, it scares me to death. And God's like, listen, if we were going to interview Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you think? He goes, I'm not willing that any should perish. We have work to do. I'm not willing that any should perish. I want them all saved. I want them all saved. Number two. Number two, the purpose of prophecy, it, it shows God's power. It shows God's power. The purpose of prophecy, notice, he always wins. And this gives us encouragement. This gives us encouragement. You see, the devil and his minions and his demons are constantly trying to discourage us. Constantly trying to discourage you. Well, look what's going on in the world. Look what's happening here. And this is happening, and that's happening, and this is blowing up, and you can't do nothing about it. Ha, ha, ha. And you and I come, and we're just like, I'm tired. And we, we talk about it all the time. Not only are we homesick to go to heaven, we're here sick. We're, we're tired of being here. But that's okay, because prophecy shows us, guys, that God wins. In the end, he wins, and that's an encouragement to us. We need to do this, church. We need to do this. When you lay your head on the pillow tonight, tell yourself, God wins. It's okay. God wins. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to wake up tomorrow and find, but I know that God wins. In the end, church, listen to me, God wins. The people facing the end-time beast power will need this type of encouragement. Number three, the purpose of prophecy is to show 
God's love. It's to show God's love. The warnings of prophesied destruction are not given to us as revenge or angry retribution. You don't have God going, come here. But out of love and out of a desire for his people to repent and change. That's what God... So the purposes, guys, let's go again real quick. The purpose is that it shows God's justice. He's a true and just God. It shows God's power. And it shows God's love. As we look at chapters 7 through 12, keep those in mind. That's why I had you write them down. Keep those in mind because you're going to see all of that come through. So, tonight, with that as our intro, we're going to spend some time looking at this little horn. This little horn, also known as the coming Antichrist. Antichrist. Church, listen to me. If you're a news person and you see what's going on in the world and you see what's happening all over, it should be an exciting time for us. It should be an exciting time. Do you realize that everything that God said in his word has come true? And it will come true. And if he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come back for you, you know he's coming back for us. And you know that his his message of salvation is so easy. If you'll believe in me, Ben, if you're born again, if you'll repent from your sins, man, I'm going to do an incredible work. And not only that, I'm going to be with you through troublesome times, and then we'll get to go to heaven together. He promises that. He promises that. But church, come on, be honest. The devil and his demons spend a lot of time trying to convince us that that's not true. He tries to convince us, hey, you know what? Jesus isn't coming back. Hey, you're going to have to suffer this. Hey, you better do this. Hey, you better do that. And all of the things he... And, and I'm saying, no, 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 no. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's see what God has for us. So with that in mind, grab your Bibles, guys. It's not going to be on the screen, but we're going to read all the way from verse 1 through 28. I just want you to grasp this and um, we'll go. We're going to see the vision. Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read it here from my Bible. It says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of, of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Do you remember last week we talked about just the main facts? So what were they, Daniel? Well, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And the four great beasts came from the sea. Each was different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched until its wings were plucked off. And, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And it had a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly, another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this, I looked and there was another, like a leopard, which had its back Four wings like a bird, wings of a bird. And a beast, it also had four heads and dominion was given to that. And after this, I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. And it had huge iron teeth. 
and it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts that, was, that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there, in its horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancients of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and his hair was the head of pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was sealed and the books were opened. And I watched and then, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the bear, the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. As I was watching in the night visions, and one, behold, like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancients of days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, glory, and kingdoms. All the peoples, nations, and language would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, within my body, and the visions in my head troubled me. I came near to one who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which were four and the four kings, which arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever forever and ever. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured and broke into pieces and trampled the residue with his feet and the ten horns that were on his head and the other horn which came up before, which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was made in forever of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it to pieces. Ten of the horns of the ten kings who shall rise from the kingdom, another shall rise after them. He shall be different than the first ones, all, and and shall subdue three kings, and he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. And the saints shall be given into his hand, notice guys, for a time, a times, and half a times. But the courts shall be seated, and they shall be taken away his dominion, and consume it and destroy forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven 
shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve him and obey him. Verse 28. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Your attention, please. Daniel is watching two scenes. He's watching one on earth and one in heaven. You need to understand that a lot about that. If, you, if you're studying Revelation, oftentimes the channel will change to what John is watching in heaven to what's going on on earth. The same thing, this is what's happening with Daniel. You go, well, Ben, what's going on on earth? Help me out here. On earth, he sees a beast, guys. He sees a beast so dreadful and terrible with, he says, seven remaining horns from its original ten. So he sees this thing, and, and, and here's the thing, he can't even describe it. He's looking at it, and, and in this dream, and I'm like, wow. And he says, and, he says and, and, and out of the ten, three were gone, and he says, a new little horn with eyes. And it, was, and it had a mouth, and it was speaking pompous words. And Daniel says, not only that, but I saw this beast. This beast had the iron teeth, and it was destroying its victims, crushing them underfoot. That's what he sees on earth. At the same time, what's going on in heaven is he's watching God's courtroom, about to judge the events taking place on earth. In particular, this beast, this little horn, was man's attempt to assert his authority. And it always comes into conflict with God's authority. So that's what's going on, two different scenes. Okay, now, let's turn our focus this evening right now to to verse 8. So Daniel's going to give us a description. Let's break it down just a little bit. Verse 7 and 8 in Daniel, in your Bibles. After this, Daniel writes, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. And it had huge iron teeth. And it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little horn coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Okay, so that's where we're going to focus. The fourth fourth beast that Daniel saw was, well, for him, it was hard to describe. It was hard to describe. I'm going to have Sarah put up the picture there. Sarah, if you can put up the picture um, of the last one we had. You can kind of tell a little bit on the bottom. That's the best one. I looked at some today, and I was like, okay, so, so really, it's this fourth awful beast. This is what, this is what Daniel saw in his dreams, Okay. So, first and foremost, this fourth beast, you ready? Jot this down. It's going to represent the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire. You need to understand that the Roman Empire, okay? And it's going to be right around the legs of, of iron all the way down. Now, the, the toes is going to be a different, um, different but right now, this is, um, this is the Roman Empire, Okay. So, let me give you a little history lesson so you understand this. They, the Roman Empire ruled, listen, from 146 B.C. to 476 A.D. 
they ruled for 622 years. 620. Thank God we only have four. Amen? You didn't get that. Okay. Only four. <laughs> Hopefully. Anyways, so they, they ruled. And you go, why would you say that? Well, because this, this, for 622 years, guys, the Roman Empire ruled the known world. There was not any break. There was not like, oh, maybe we could vote. Or there wasn't, hey, there's democracy going on. Rome ruled. You did what Rome said. You understand exactly what's going on here. Okay? So think about Rome for just a second. The Roman Empire was so strong. Why was it so strong? Because it funded a massive army that just trampled everything in its sight. But they were also very evil. As this army began to grow, you had this great pride of being a Roman soldier. And you could tell somebody, hey, carry my, carry my things for a mile. And you had to do it. They could come into, hey, we're going to conquer this conquering town. What town is going to be? I don't know. We're going to go into Slayton and we're going to take it. Slayton for the Roman city. And this army would go into and they would come inside your house. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to fight off this Roman army. But you're, a, you're an army of one or two. And they would come in and they would destroy your house. They would take all of your possessions. They would rape your daughters and rape your wives. Take them as, as booty and then kill you they didn't care they, that's a, and then when you heard that you were not about to stand up and try to fight the roman empire you're like no no and they would come in and all you could listen to oh sure you got to grab all you could do is bow and go okay i'll i'll i'll, I'll submit to the roman empire. okay and they're coming in with this massive and then <coughs> you add you add you know, Jerusalem to the mix. And Jesus comes and he says, hey, my kingdom. And the disciples misinterpret that. People misinterpret. And they think he's going to set up his rule in Jerusalem and overthrow Rome. And he's walking with the boys and, and he says, hey, boys, hey, fellas, we're going to Jerusalem. Hey, boys, we're going to Jerusalem and um, the son of man's going to be killed. No. Lord, we'll fight for this. You're kidding me. You're supposed to set up your throne. You're supposed to overthrow Rome. I don't, we don't want any more of this oppression. We're tired of them coming into Israel. We're tired of them in the known world and, and raping and, and just, just, just destroying everything in sight. Lord, please. I don't know in the garden why Peter took out his knife and was going to try to defend Jesus over the Roman army. He ended up taking Malchus's ear off, but I mean that wasn't that wasn't much. But but I wonder if he was like, no, you don't understand how important this is, Jesus. You need to. And you and I would say the same thing as disciples of the Lord. We would say, hey, Lord, I'll die with you instead of go through what we're about to go through. Lord, I'll I'll give up my life. But you need to understand, you need to understand. The Lord said, I'm going to die, I'm going to resurrect, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, but Peter, I've got a bigger plan for you. And you, even in the midst, see, see, Rome still ruled, come on somebody. Rome still ruled, but Peter was changed. 
uh, you got to get this. In our world today, in our in 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 our the United States, all that, it's evil. We know it. We know it. But you're changed. You're different. There's the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you guys out. I'm going to send you out. We're not anything like Rome, but the principle applies. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to send you out. And I'm going to use you. And I want you to share the message. And I want you to love people. And I want you to represent me so well that there's never a doubt, well, is you really a Christian or not? I don't understand that. No, 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 no. This is what I'm going to do. Lord, I pray that you change our government. But more importantly, I pray that you change me. I pray that you change me, Lord, to represent you well. And if I have to die for you, need be it, I'll die. But I'll die giving it my all. Giving it my all. You understand the disciples now. You understand. Rome was brutal. 622 years. Now here's what you need to note. Rome was never conquered. There was not a greater army that came in and conquered Rome. You need to understand that. You go, why is that important? Okay, so the Roman Empire lasted 476 A.D., The city of Rome at that point was attacked by barbarians from the north. The eastern portion, however, lasted much longer. The eastern portion of Rome remained for centuries. It was finally, now here's the word I want to use, extinguished, okay? It was extinguished in 1453 AD. You go, why is that? Well, this was close to the Middle Ages. So it stayed. It wasn't conquered. And I was like, wow. Okay, Okay, in your mind, guys, here's what you need to write down. In your, this is your thought process. Rome was never conquered completely. You had a little bit, you know, um, from, from the north come in, but, but they lasted just parts of them. They sort of kind of flickered out. You know, when you light a candle and it's going all day, and then finally, eventually, about midnight, you could see it flickering. That's kind of how Rome was. You with me? Now, I was doing some studying this week on this, and I found out something quite interesting. You go, what is it? Did you know, did you know, when Rome fell in 476 AD, it split in exactly 10 separate nations? You're like, no. 10 separate, let me give them to you. In four, okay, you got to get this. This is going to blow your mind. In 476 AD, Rome split when it, when it, it, 10 separate nations, okay? The Saxons, the Saxons were one of them originating the English nation. That was number one. The Franks originating the French nation. The, the Alemanni originating the German nation. The Visigoths, the Visigoths originating in the Spanish nation, the Suvi originating in the Portuguese nation, the Lombards originating in the Italian nation, the Burgundians originating in the Swiss nation, 
Listen, that was a seven. Then you had the Hurley, um, the Hurley, but they disappeared in 493 A.D. Then you had another one, the Vandals, but they disappeared in 534 A.D. And the Ostrogoths, well, they disappeared in 538. 538. So in 476, you had how many guys? Ten. And now we have English, we have French, German, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, Swiss, and three of them disappeared. These people never made it into a nation. This is, look it up, this is what's happening. And here's what, this is what's jumping off the pages of Scripture. You ready? This will also take place in the future. This is exactly what Daniel is seeing. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little horn coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the root, and there in this horn were eyes speaking, the eyes of man in the mouth speaking pompous words. So, you ready? You ready? Study your Bibles. Oftentimes, the Lord is revealing things that, that I mean, it's, it's so good. You're, you're like, wow, what happened in 476 A.D.? Well, Rome was sort of extinguished, but it, in, it ended up branching out into ten. Three didn't make it. Well, to Daniel, that might be prophetic, but it's also very prophetic for us here. So Daniel is showing us what the future holds for those who are not followers of Jesus. You guys ready? It's something called, you need to write this down, the revived Roman Empire. Why the word revived? Here's why. Because Rome, the Roman Empire, was never conquered. It sort of flickered out. Okay? So what do you do when something starts flickering? You sort of revive it. Right? A little bit of, a little bit of oxygen, a little bit of uh, kindling, and boom, you got a fire again. That's what's going to happen. Right now it's sort of, and so, and so now all of a sudden, you're going to have a revived Roman Empire. Now, here's the thing. This is future because of the ten horns once again. Rome, guys, Rome was never ruled by ten kings. In its existence, it only had one king at a time. You guys knew who they were. They were called Caesars or emperors. There was never ten. You couldn't get ten people ruling anything, much less a nation. And so that's what's going on. Daniel comes and he tells us that the Roman Empire will have ten ruling kings and then tells us that one smaller horn will emerge and take out the three little horns. The smaller horn, if you're taking note, is the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist. Now, we have to do some work. Why? Because it says this, another horn, a little one, mouth speaking of pompous words. Among the ten horns, three are replaced by the one horn, and that's uh, conspicuous for its dominance. Why? Before whom three of the first horn, now notice, they were plucked out by the roots. They were plucked out. Okay? So, what you want to drop down, if, you're, if you don't mind writing in verse 8 or in your Bible or taking notes, here's what you want to see. You want to see it's, it's, it's conspicuous for its dominance. Dominance, it's strong. Okay? He's not just going to say, hey, there's ten of us ruling. You three need to go bye-bye. He says, I'm, 
Now, these are, these are three nations. They're not just like, I mean, we see them as horns, but they're nations. And so you see, you see that this Antichrist is going to have dominance, but he's also going to have intelligence. How so? Notice it says, eyes like the eyes of a man. And he's also going to have a boastful tongue because he's going to be speaking pompous words. Okay? Now, you're going to have, not us, we're out of here. Can I get an amen? amen? The world is going to have a world leader who is strong militarily, intelligent, economically intelligent, boastful, prideful. I mean, think about this. Let me, let me name them again, okay? Dominance. Huge, strong. You're going to have somebody who's strong. You're going to have somebody who's going to lay down the law and don't and will not care if there's a riot or a protest or anything else. This is the law. You're going to have someone who has a military insight. You're going to have someone who has a, who's very intelligent, boastful, and proud. Now, most commentators believe this is none other than the Antichrist coming in the last days. This is the smaller horn. Everybody with me so far? Okay, so I want you to jump to verse 11. Jump, let's go to verse 11. He says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words, which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and his, its body destroyed and given into the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and... A time. Now, again, this would be in Daniel's future and our future. But it's very close in our time. It's very close. You don't understand, church, and I hope that we're not ignorant when it comes to this, but what's going on in the world today, we're very, very close for the return of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we're so close it could happen even tonight. That's how close it is. I don't know if any of you have heard of AI, artificial intelligence. That's, that's making a big move in, in, in the world. And found out that AI can do some incredible things, but you know what it's really good at? It's good at lying. I don't know if you knew that. It will quote somebody, and, and, and you'll believe it, and, they, and that person never said it. It just, it, they're just... It's just incredible. It's incredible. And all of a sudden, some of us remember, I mean, I was talking to Nathalie the other day. We were sitting at the table, and I was going, I was going, listen, I remember when our grandparents would go, man, you don't realize. I remember it was an upgrade when we got a microwave. Could you imagine, right? We, we, we never had a microwave. You had to actually, if you had to make popcorn, you had to sit there and Pop, 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 pop in the stove. That's how you made popcorn. Then, then, then dad brings home a box, right, and this thing, and you open it up, and you throw it, beep, 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 right, your hair standing like this, we're the first ones. But it, it made popcorn. It was a vast improvement. And I'm sitting telling Nathalie, I'm saying, listen, listen, my grandson is one, my granddaughter is nine, they'll never know anything of the struggles we had. You understand that, right? Man, we had a phone that was connected to a wall. And it had a rotary dial. 
Have you ever tried to win something with a rotary dial? Be the first caller. You know, you're like, hello, come on. And then you'd, and then you'd be caught like this and, and trying to, I need some privacy. So what did we do? We made a longer extension. And all of a sudden, you had this wire going through the house. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you. They don't know that. It, there wasn't texting. We didn't get to, to we, there, what was texting? Right? You know what texting was? Hey, Nancy, you coming over for dinner? Yeah, all right, she's coming. Put one more. That was texting. You go, what was the point? What's the point? I have no idea what the point is, but um, anyway. No, the point is, is that we've seen just this vast improvement. And now we're talking about AI. We're talking about artificial intelligence. And we also know that there's going to be a beast in Revelation that's going to be this image that's going to be able to talk. And he's going to lead many with his words. And they're going to worship. But with also with artificial intelligence, they're trying to create babies. That's a whole nother sermon in itself. But guys, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is we're there. We're there. And I have to constantly remind myself that we don't have much time. We don't have much time. So Daniel sees this in his future. Let's jump to verse 24, 25. He says, the ten horns are the ten kings. Everybody see that? The ten horns are the ten kings who shall arise out of this kingdom, the revived Roman Empire. And another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the first ones. He shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. He shall intend, listen, to change times and law. Under that, under, underline that in your Bible. The saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a times. Now, you go, why is that important? The little horn known as the Antichrist or the false Messiah in Judaism, he's going to come and deceive the whole world and he's going to persecute the people of God. God will allow this persecution to continue for a period. Revelation says more light on this individual and his program in the in the end. But let's talk about, okay? Let's talk about this. First and foremost, he says he's going to subdue three kings. Very he's going to be very powerful. Very powerful. You go, how does that how does that apply to us? Well, I want you to keep this in mind. Okay? The EU, the European Union, has twenty seven members right now. If the EU were to drop to ten then we're going to be closer than you can imagine. Okay? Now, I pulled this out, and I found it very interesting. Here's the thing. The history of the European Union, what you need to know is prior to 2004, there were only a few. Prior to 2004. So it's not far-fetched to say that they could actually go back to 10. So, in 1957, the European Union began, and it began with six. I'm going to give them to you. You can write them down if you want to. If not, you can do your own study. But these are part of the European Union. First was Belgium. Then you had France. And so, all of a sudden, you should have ding, 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 tingling going in your head with France. Then you had West Germany. You had Italy. Luxembourg and the Netherlands. This made up the European Union, 1957. In 1973, Denmark joined. 
Ireland joined, and the United Kingdom. In 1981, Greece joined. In 1986, Portugal said we're in. Spain said we're in. Now remember, these are countries. He's talking about countries and kings. In 1995, Austria, Finland, and Sweden. So, up until that point, we had 12. 12. And 2004 was the big push for the European Union. You had Cyprus, you had the Czech Republic, you had Estonia, you had Hungary, you had um, Latva, you had Lithuania, you had Malta, you had Poland, Slovakia, and Slovenia. And then in 2007, Bulgaria and Romania joined. And that gave us 27. 27. Now, very, very, very interesting Out of all of these, which one would jump out as the little horn? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But let's say, for the sake, I'm going to stand over here because it's my opinion. It's not, it's not, it's my opinion only, okay? Everybody understand, it's my opinion. Let's say, let's say you you have someone like France who's very strong, you have Germany. You have a lot of these stronger countries. And let's say 10 of them just arise out of all this. So we, we get down to 10. But you have, like, maybe a, a, a Cyprus makes it in, or maybe, maybe a Czech Republic or Bulgaria, and those are not really worth anything. And so the Antichrist comes in and he, and he uproots those. Those are countries. Those are countries, but... So you've got to have a very powerful country looking at this. Very powerful, very powerful. So I went online today right before service. And I'm just going to give you this name. The name is Emmanuel Macron. He's the president of France. And there's a couple of things that jumped out at me right away. Number one, he's very strong. He's been the president since 2017. Very strong. He just, he just drafted a bill that raised the, the retirement age to 64. They protested he didn't care. He signed it, said, this is what it is. So he doesn't care in the sense that he's very, what he wants is going to get. He also went to, he, he's also very intelligent economically. He actually graduated from the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. So he knows, so, so, so economically, and, 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 and he's got all these accolades to himself. He's about to be done with, with the presidency in the next year or, or two. Now, why do you bring him up? I bring him up because I've heard his name in certain circles with different prophetic people, John Markell and other ones, so forth. Now, I tell you this because, because part of the 10-nation revived Roman Empire... France could, France could be, I mean, I, I don't know, but it's close. It's close. This guy, this king, this president, whatever it's going to be, he's going to subdue three nations. He's going to uproot them. He's not even going to play with them. And you know that's not us. The Bible says he'll speak pompous words against God. He's going to blaspheme God. It's going to be blaspheme God. 
It also says he shall persecute the saints. Who are the saints? Well, they're the Jewish people and others who turn to God in the tribulation. In the tribulation. Okay? Right now, you're saints, but you're going to be raptured and we'll be in heaven. And then when you're raptured and the person you've been witnessing to or so forth, what? I need to get right with God. Norma was right. I got to get right with God. Joe was right. I got to get right with God. Bob, you know. And, and, and again, that's, that's what it's going to be. So we're going to see a huge revival of people getting right with God. But the Antichrist is going to persecute them. I want you to note the word persecute. Jot this down in your, in your notes. It speaks of a cruel and systematic pressure coming from the word to wear, to wear away or to wear out as a friction wears clothes or shoes. In other words, it's persistent, it's persistent, it's persistent, and it's cruel. It's cruel. We've seen too many movies in the tribulation where the Antichrist wants to attack an adult, and the best way he does that is he goes through his kids or his grandkids and the people he loves the most. Hey, turn your, turn your life, you know, get the mark and you'll be free and I'll, and I'll let your kids or grandkids live. If not, you're going to have to watch them die. We think, no, that'll never happen. But the, the, think about it. it. The word persecute speaks of cruel and systematic pressure all the time. Now, I believe certain things happen to prepare us for what's going to happen. you agree? And you know that we went through a huge trial and tribulation back in 2020. And you could almost say it was systematic pressure to comply. And we went from one to another to another to another to another. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, let's step back for a minute. Let's see how the results were. And now we know what has to happen you got to you got to see this the bible says that he will change times and law see only god can change the time and the seasons what does that mean ben god is control of history and hence can reveal the future as in the king's dream you understand that right what would be an easy way for us to change times you, you see it going on now. Let's take our history and let's erase it. Let's remove statues because they represent, and all of a sudden, we're in this what? We're in this culture, and we're in this critical race theory, and, and, and it's trying to do what? And again, you go, Ben, is that the Antichrist? It's the start. You understand that. It's the beginning. You can see it. But why are you telling this? Because it's my job to feed you and teach you. And you go, oh, they're trying to erase history. See, if we erase history, then we have nothing to stand on. And it's going to be easy for for somebody to stand up and say, listen, there's no such thing as the Bible. There's no such thing as God. Where did that come from? They've erased it, and he's going to end up intending to be God, and he'll do that. He'll do that. 
Many people around the world say the Holocaust never happened. Trying to erase times. Go to Israel with us. You've walked, I walked through the museum of the Holocaust. We see the shoes of the kids that were murdered in the Holocaust. I'd only, I only recommend going through it once. I don't go through it again. It's too hard. And there's people who say, mm. no, no. What if tomorrow people started saying, hey, COVID never happened. There was never a shutdown. What is wrong with you people? It's all good. It's all normal. You'll go, no, 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 we were there. Churches were shut. No. And then you had this wave of people saying that never happened. And it never happened. It never happened. I'm not saying it is. I'm just telling you. When this little horn, the world ruler will, will intend to change times and law, he intends to take the place of God. The saints will be given, notice, into his hand for three and a half years. The phrase is used in Revelation chapter 11, 12, and 13 to refer to the last seven-year period of man's rule on the earth, the 70th week of Daniel. Now note, pompous words. The little horn is characterized by his great words. Daniel is amazed at what he's saying, almost as he's stunned by his words. In Revelation, we see a similar scene where John, like Daniel, focuses on the particular head of the beast of the beast. Now, before we jump over to Revelation, let me discuss some characteristics about the little horn we find in Daniel chapter 7. You guys ready? Number one, the little horn represented a force that was more stout than all the other governments. You got to look for somebody who's going to be very strong. Number two, he made war with the saints in an attempt to wear out all the people of God. So we know that this person's going to be a God-hater. Or, you ready? He's going to be like God. You see, the great push in our world today is that people say, you know what? I'm God. I'm God. Number three, it prevailed against the saints until the Lord gave judgment on behalf of the people. Number four, the little horn would speak words against the Most High. And of course, we just talked about this. He would try to think to change the times and the law of God. And the saints were given into his hand for a time, a time, a half a time. Now, let's say goodbye to Daniel. Um, I'm going to go over to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. You guys know this. 1 Thessalonians 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So let's chat for just a moment. What I want to do is give you a very real account of what can happen next in our lifetime. And I'll try to slow down so you can take notes, but I want you to listen careful. We need to understand. What's that, Ben? Nothing prophetic has to happen before the return of Jesus, as in the Thessalonians. Nothing has to happen. Well, Ben, you mentioned Emmanuel. Emmanuel and Mr. President Macron. What does that mean? Well, here's what I want to remind you. We're taught as believers that we will not know the Antichrist. We're not going to know. 
The Bible says, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 7 and 8, it said, For the lawless is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth to destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Okay? You go, what does that mean? We're not supposed to look for the Antichrist. So please don't go home and do this in comprehensive search. I mean, you can, but we don't know who he is. I'm just giving you updates. Who should we be looking for? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay? Don't worry about the Antichrist. So let's talk about the Antichrist very quickly. Who is the Antichrist? Although the Bible does not specifically name who the Antichrist will be, it does give us some clues to what he'll be like. The Bible names for the Antichrist. By taking a look at different names for the Antichrist in the Bible, we can gain a better understanding of what kind of person he'll be. First of all, he's Antichrist. The name Antichrist is only found in 1 John chapter 2, 18, chapter 2, 22, chapter 4, verse 3, and 2 John. The Apostle John was the only Bible writer to use the term or the name Antichrist. Studying these verses, we can learn that many antichrists, many false teachers will appear between the time of Christ and between the first and second coming. But there's going to be one great antichrist. And the word anti means like Christ and against Christ. So when someone comes up speaking pompous words and trying to do all this, he's going to, he's, he's going to, his point is to deceive and get as many to follow him. Number two, he's the man of sin. In Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, the Antichrist is described as the man of sin or the man of perdition. So we know he's a man of sin. It's also the beast, guys, number three. Revelation 13, 5, and 8, the Antichrist is referred to as the beast. In number four, it's known as the little horn in Daniel 7. We talked about that. In the Gospels, he's known as the false Christ, the false Christ. Jesus warned his followers of terrible, terrible events and persecution that would occur before his second coming. Most likely, this is where the concept of the Antichrist first introduced the disciples, although Jesus did not refer to him as singular. Now, for the sake of our study, let me just remind you of some of the most powerful people in our world today. Obviously, we know who it is, right? Xi Jinping from China. He's the most powerful man in the world today. Then you have Vladimir Putin. Then you have Pope Francis and Angela Merkel. All of these are still very, very powerful people. And so the point is, wow, this could happen. This could go down. So, Revelation 13. We're just going to cover that as we close. Let me set the scene. John has given the revelation on the island of Patmos. He's both, um, he sees both what's going on in heaven and what's going on earth. Let me give you a timeline very quickly, guys, as you turn to Revelation 13. It'll be on the screen if you can't get there. But in Revelation 1, to 1, 1 verse chapters 1 to 3, it speaks of church history as well as literal churches. We see a rapture, okay, when, when he says, come up here. We see the scene change in chapters 4 and 5. In chapter 6, we see the sealed judgments, including the Antichrist. From chapter 7 to 12 is probably the first three and a half years of the tribulation. 
we'll see the trumpet judgments. And then we have the last three and a half years. This is known as the Great Tribulation. Let's read it together, guys. Revelation 13, 1 through 10. Then I stood at the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having how many? Seven heads and ten horns. There we go. And on his horns, ten crowns. And on his head, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and the mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Now, let me stop you right there. You guys know this is the anti of what Jesus, right? The whole point of the resurrection. So think about people who are, who are not biblically literate, who don't understand the Bible. All of a sudden, they see this, this guy who's claiming to be Jesus, who's claiming to be God, get mortally wounded. He's dead. Now, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, okay, it might have been yesterday's news, but everything is in real time now with our little phones in our pockets. Whoa, did you hear that? And all of a sudden, he's like, he's dead. Oh, my gosh. And then what happened? His deadly wound was healed. He's alive. He's alive. How did he, there's nobody can survive that. He must be God. And the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? Very strong. Do you guys see that? And he was given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue. How long? 42 months. Daniel was saying time, time, and half a time. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Tonight we talked a lot about what's to come. But here's my encouragement. Don't worry. God wins. You're safe in the arms of the Lord. That's going to happen, but he's also, he's also going to fill you with his spirit so that we can be his messenger. And he's going to give us divine appointments to tell people about Jesus. My prayer is just so you know, man, am I saved? Am I saved? Yes. If you've put your faith and trust in the Lord, you're saved. If you said yes to him. If there's any doubt in your mind, any doubt, oh Lord, I, I don't know. Then tonight's the night where you could say yes to him. Now listen, I'm not talking about, um, hey, I raised my hand, I gave my life to the Lord, and then I had a bad week, so I need to get saved again. That's not how it works. Once you're saved, once you're born again, you're saved. And sometimes we have bad weeks, but all we have to do is confess that, Lord, I blew it, but you don't have to get saved again. But what I'm really talking about is, is that you have a genuine and awesome and authentic relationship with Jesus. And you go, Ben, you're preaching to the choir, man. It's Wednesday night. Yes, it is, but I want to make sure 
Because what's about to go down, you don't want to be left behind. And God, with his everlasting arms, is saying, you don't have to be left behind. You don't have to be left behind. But you got to say yes to me now. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord. This is very somber, very solemn. So much to think about, Lord. And so we love you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for this beautiful gift of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that your heart is still that. Your heart is very much wanting people to be saved. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone tonight that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I don't know if I have a real, and I'll, I'll, listen, if I gave my life to the Lord last week, that's good, amen. But if, but if you're here and, and, and you're not right with God, then tonight would be your night. Would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? I think it'd be a sweet time for you to say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want to I follow Jesus. I want to I make sure completely, completely. Yeah, God bless you, brother. I see you. Remember, he's asking us to repent. It's not just a, hey, I prayed a prayer at church. I think I'm good. Anyone else? Check your heart real quick. Just ask. Yeah, I got you, brother. Anyone else? Just ask. Just, just say, Lord, where am I? Where am I? I just want to make sure I'm good. Father, I pray for these hands that were raised, Lord, and I just thank you, Lord. Their hearts, their hearts are just to make sure that they're right with you. So I would ask that their Holy Spirit would come in and fill them, Lord, fill them completely from the bottom to the top, Lord, and that Jesus, Lord, that you would do a work in them. Give them the confidence, Lord, and, and knowing that they're saved as they, as they go in the days and the weeks and the months to come. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.